Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we are talking to you from our jet lag state. <laughs> Here we are. Because we are Barely at home, awake. but we haven't been at home for very long. But it's the end of the month and time to talk to you. Um, We've got to make our travel schedule more in line with, with the, the RV Navigator podcast schedule. Because, it's, boy. It's time for the April 2023 <laughs> podcast, episode number two. Two sixteen. What year is this? <laughs> <laughs> what day? <laughs> what season? So we just flew back from Lisbon. From spring. From spring. In, oh, in that's in South a, Africa. And here we're looking out the no, window. No, from fall. It was fall down there. <laughs> now it's spring up here. And let's we break see- out the champagne. <laughs> I feel about as logy, I'll tell you. <laughs> and we see snowflakes outside of our window here in Chicago. Oh, oh it is exciting. The oh. weather, the the time. Where are we? Why are we here? Well, anyway, dear listener, we are more than happy to talk to you. And I hope that you're more awake than we are. But we have a lot of very interesting topics to, to cover today. And believe it or not, even some RV topics. <laughs> but first, a word from our sponsor. Oh, wait, wait. We've been talking a lot about uh, AI, artificial intelligence. <clears throat> and last month we had some pictures. And before that, we talked about uh, writing on oh, using AI. Chat, oh, chat GPT, yeah. which has already been superseded by something else. Well, I'm a techno lover, so. Uh, this is something that uh, really is very interesting to me. And I have been very excited about the AI features uh, in photography. I mean, it has transformed my pictures because it now picks out skies and I can change the skies. It picks out subjects automatically so that you can adjust them and don't believe any pictures that you see because AI makes it just so easy. Cheating is rampant. It's going to be really interesting. You used to be able to use pictures as a exhibit as, as evidence as evidence or an exhibit in a court of law but you just can't do that anymore because i can make pictures that look perfect and videos with deep fakes well anyway it's but it's a brave new world we are about to bring ai to the rv navigator podcast and hopefully it will enhance your life and ours as most of you longtime listeners know, and we've been doing this podcast for how long? 17, 18 years, a long time. And you know that at times we have been a little bit challenged By audio-wise. Quality. And, of course, we don't even try video. <laughs> but our goal is to give you something to listen to in the car or in the RV as you're traveling down the road. So that's why we maintain the audio podcast. But it should be intelligible and perhaps even right. pleasant to listen to. And right now we're using a pretty decent microphone, although I don't spend hundreds of dollars on this equipment because we don't make any money off this, but we're glad to do it. And I have a decent microphone and I think it sounds pretty good, but at times uh, we're when we're on the road, I can't bring this microphone. Oh, I think about putting this my suitcase he got no way uh, so we use wireless ones and there have been background noises and there have been clunks and bangs and crashes and all sorts of buzzes going Heat on and air conditioning noise yeah and 
crowd noises. But there is a new service, and this is uh, called Project Shasta, which is in beta from Adobe.com. Adobe, of course, makes lots of uh, video and photo editing software, but they're also into audio. And if this podcast sounds a little bit different... <laughs> Better? I don't know about us. It's gonna say, <laughs> We're not going to be better. We're not going to be better. But if the audio in this podcast <laughs> sounds just a bit better or different, maybe, I don't know what it's going to do. Uh, it's because I have run it through AI enhancement for audio recordings. And this is a free service that uh, Adobe is offering. And, of course, if you go to our website, you can download the link and take a look at Project Shasta. But it allows me to take an MP3 file, upload it to their site. It then analyzes it and makes it quali the quality better and then sends it back to you. So you don't even have to have software. It's kind of like chat GPT. So that, you know, you just it just does it on the browser. Would it change your voice? Well, I've seen a couple of demonstrations. Did and I have a nasal voice? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> this is how it's going to sound. <laughs> well, if it doesn't sound funny now, then it's fixed it. <laughs> oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Well, we should try different. Oh, we could have the deep announcer voice. Or we no. Could have Nobody likes the announcer voice. Okay. This is Ken, your RV navigator. Nobody likes to listen. <laughs> oh, she's only her wife will tell you. Anyway, I'm going to upload the raw file from the audio and see what it does with our voices. I can understand that it will remove background kind of noise or hiss. And will it also remove the ums that I just ummed? Or do you still well, have to do that mechanically? I will still be doing that mechanically. However... The more sophisticated version of this software, also available on the web, which I haven't had a chance to look at really, has the capability to do editing. And will it do take out ums? Absolutely. And it will also do another cool feature. And maybe somebody out there would like to do an interview with us because I'd like to give this a try. Because what it does is it allows you to interview somebody in low quality audio and then it upgrades it. I don't know exactly how it works. But it allows you to, to do interviews, and it provides high-quality audio as the final product. Because every so often, like on TV, you'll see somebody being interviewed off-site or in a yeah. war zone or something, and it, it just sounds different. It has to sound different, and it will make well, it more and, and, same. And, right. And one of the other things they are using this for is, is that you extract the audio from a video, you run it through the software, the audio software, and then you reinsert it into the video, and it improves the quality. And I saw Wait a that. Minute. It won't fit the video then. Because while yeah. I'm umming, there's some video no, no, no. going it, by. No, it fixes the quality. It doesn't change the length. Uh -huh. You can, I mean, it has multiple capabilities. <laughs> I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about, but I, I just saw the demonstration. You extract the, the audio from the video, you run it through the software, and then you reinsert it. But it has and, to fit. Well, it will fit because it's exactly the same. Because it's AI. Well,. <laughs> AI is perfect. Anyway, they are offering a number of features, and so if this podcast sounds different, that's why. Um, and, and I'm going to give it a try. Yeah. It could and, be and as I say, if you want to know uh, the link to this or if you'd like to try it yourself, you can go to Adobe Projects slash Shasta, and you can try it for yourself. And let us know if it's better. I applied for the beta 
to use the other features, but I have not received an, an a invitation yet. And I have to think there's going to come a time where they will want you to pay for this, too. There's no free lunches in no this No chance world. of that, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so on to the podcast. We have uh, lots of topics to talk about today. And as you know, we were mid-cruise. We had done our safari for three weeks, and then we got on the cruise ship, and we were sailing the ports of South Africa. Last month. Last month. And then we suddenly had to stop because the podcast needed to be uploaded. And it was a big challenge last month. Oh, yeah. The Wi-Fi on the ship was just atrocious. And we had major problems, but I did get it uploaded. (laughs) Even in a timely manner, right? I believe so. Nobody emailed you. Nobody. I had no complaints. What do you? Why would you know you couldn't get the emails? (laughs) But I would have had to say I couldn't do anything about it because the ship's uh, internet's often is. It was atrocious. But we're going to talk about that again in a few minutes. We then actually went on a second cruise, but I mean it was on the same ship, but we had to change cabins, and we sailed from. Cape Town, South Africa, at the very bottom of South Africa, all the way up the west coast of Africa to Lisbon. And then very recently, we flew home from Lisbon to end this 63-day adventure. It was. People often ask us, um, are you ready to go home? And I would say, not really. It was a lot of fun. People are shocked that we've been gone for two months. I get tired of washing things in the sink and wearing the same three outfits over and over again. But seeing new places and meeting interesting people and having adventures keeps us young. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, we are home now because... Well, because I have to go to the hospital and get a tune-up. So next month, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be hearing a lot of complaining. Be prepared for weeping and gnashing of teeth because I'm getting a new knee. A knee replacement, and she's been going off to the doctor here in the last couple days getting all the... Preoperative examinations. Uh, We're new to this knee operation business, so... The biggest thing is is that I'm in charge of cooking. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> I would think it's the only thing I care about. <laughs> She's not going to be ambulatory, and I've been threatened that I'm going to have to do cook three meals a day. For how long will you last? Hopefully, my recovery will be swift. We are very optimistic that her recovery will only be two or three days. Right. <laughs> Because well. one of my goals is being able to climb smoothly in and out of the motorhome. Yeah. Because one of the things that really set me back is stepping down from those big steps in the motorhome, especially carrying things. So I hope that I can be able to do that much better. Again. Well, we have a short motorhome trip planned for June. So hopefully the knee will be in good shape and Ken will be Mr. Cook, <laughs> <laughs> nightly cook. <laughs> Uh, I'll give you an update I, next uh, month uh, how, how this all turns out. She's she's giving me recipes. She's giving me all sorts of tools. I'm going to buy a sous vide. Yes, we took this trip, I think we said this last time, with two podcast listeners who have become good friends. And he is a very enthusiastic chef and talked about many of the things that he makes from scratch, many more than I do, and really put Ken to shame or inspired oh. him. What word should I use? Um, a little of both, I guess. And he was very enthusiastic about using his sous vide. We know about that. Our We have other friends who use them. Sous vide? Um, what? Uh, to prepare meat ahead of time and have it be ready for final grilling or I'm using it for or, spaghetti. You're going to be in charge. 
I have no opinion on this matter. It's 1-800-KEVIN. <laughs> my, my go-to phone number. <laughs> All right. So we were going to talk about Africa anyway. And we have been to a lot of places, and people often ask us, where haven't you been? We haven't been to the west coast of Africa. We just checked, and we have passed 100 countries. 118 which, was the grand total. That's with the five new countries right. that we added. Right. So the west coast of Africa was someplace we had not, uh, well, we'd been there, and we'd been to a couple of countries, but now we've added five new countries None of which I can remember. One of the things that I really liked about this cruise was that all the other people taking it, more or less, were as well-traveled as we are and as well-informed as they needed to be to visit this rather challenging part of the world. I'm afraid to have to say that it confirmed a lot of the stereotypes that I had about the uh -huh. poverty, uh, the lack of development, the corruption that the people have to endure from their political leaders. It was an eye-opening experience, and yet we'd seen that stuff on TV, and I was sorry to see it again. Usually when you take an excursion with a tour guide, they're enthusiastic about their country, and they tell you wonderful things, uh -huh. and they're excited to show it to you. But we had a few tour guides that sounded like they would like to stow away <laughs> with us back on the ship, because oh, they yeah. saw no future for themselves, and I think they were right about that. One, one young man said, I, I got married and hurried out and cranked out some babies, because I know we don't have a long life expectancy, and I want to raise my kids to adulthood. And I yeah. thought, how sad is that? Well, the life expectancy to see in so these countries low. is so quite low. low. And so, you know, you drive down the main street, off the main street, it's dirt and gravel. And, and garbage people living everywhere. In, uh, oh, and a lot of people living outside, I, more or yeah. less, because the, their home, if you want to call it that, is less than a one-car garage in the United States. Yeah. Corrugated tin, uh, leaky roofs, uh, terrible, and, and, terrible. And no facilities to speak of. Right. So I guess we hate to say that we have stereotypes about some of these countries, but I think... For the most part, they were and confirmed. of the five new countries that we visited, besides Namibia, yes. Namibia seems to have its act together, um, but the other countries were just hard to distinguish between them. Even though South Africa suffered greatly, I think that's pretty well known from the apartheid era, the fact that there were all these white people there um, organizing things and developing things and paving the roads left that country in better shape once the apartheid was over. And they also administered Namibia, which is the country next door, and did a lot of good infrastructure kind of things for them. So they are much readier for primetime tourism than any of the other places that we stopped, and I would gladly go back there again, not on a fact-finding mission like we were this yes. time, but simply to enjoy the scenery and the animal life there. But, of course, South Africa is still suffering from something we mentioned last month, and that's the, the power outages, the load shedding, Same. which is hard to believe. And I think the people there are just up in arms about this. As they should be. Yes, as they should be. But we talked about that last month, and we don't need to mention it this month. But the controversy about our adding countries to our list is Qatar. 
<laughs> those of you who have those little maps on the side of your RV where you put magnets when yes. you visited a state. The um, same controversy. You need to have rules in place oh, for you, when ah, you can say that you've been in a country. I have to live under rules? Of course. Uh, oh. So some people say as long as I pass through that state, that counts. Other people say I need to sleep there a night in a campground before I can put the magnet on. All of that's t- um, so, we so we have the same controversy We flew here. 14 hours to get to Doha, Qatar. Where the World Cup just took place. And we transferred planes there, and we spent nine hours, some of which was probably sleeping. In the airport. We did not check into the country. We were in transit. But we time. were there. We're not counting it. My map goes <laughs> over there, and it has a dot where I stopped. Sorry. The, plane, the destination. Sorry. Of- you didn't check in. Your passport can't prove it. We might go there again. It looked like an interesting country, especially now that they got themselves organized for the World Cup. So passing through doesn't count. No. So I can't have 119 countries. No, nope, you do Qatar that. doesn't count. No, no. Next time. Hmm. Emirates. We've been there for length of time and checked in and gone on tours there in the UAE. Yeah. Sorry. I'm stunned. <laughs> Oh, the rules under which I live, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, another thing I just wanted to briefly mention, probably know that most of the countries in Africa were colonies at one time or another, and some of them just recently became independent, which is part of the problem. And I've always marveled, not just in Africa, but everywhere in the world that we've gone, if you were a colony of the British, you probably came out of it in pretty good shape. But if you were a, a Portuguese colony or a Dutch mm, colony yeah. or a French colony, forget it. Those countries seem to do nothing but plunder and rip off those people and the resources in those countries in every way that they could. And that's not to say that the British were benign occupiers. Certainly they were involved in the slave trade and brought slaves to our country. But what I finally have come to understand is their philosophy of being colonial powers was different in that they only brought a relatively small number of British people to the colony, and they used uh-huh. local people to actually big change. run stuff. Yes. And they taught them the language, they taught them the customs, they taught them how to be organized, how to follow laws. And so when the British left the again, colony, yeah. there were people in place that were local, who understand local mores and customs and knew how to run a country. And that left those countries in much better shape. I had never really understood that before, and that was uh, it's a, subtle a, but a good thing to learn. Difference, yes. And the British were very good about that. The British colonies are, are just plain better off. So the cruises we did were different because they went to different destinations, although they were on the same ship. And as you know, we have done three separate safaris at different times, including about a three-week safari that we did recently on this, before this cruise. However, the ports that we visited in South Africa, many of the shore excursions were very animal-centric. And even some of the ones in West Africa, you could take a game yeah, but that wasn't, on those Yeah, but that well. wasn't the primary focus. Because Not as much. Because South Africa is very nature 
uh, and animal-oriented. So a lot of the people who came on the cruise, and they were just there for the cruise, and they were might have been there just for the first cruise, which was only 12 days. I can't imagine traveling that far <laughs> and only spending 12 days. I think a lot of the Brits were, were there for the... That's true. The yeah. first cruise was uh, British 60% people. British. And they didn't have to come there as far as we right. did, obviously. Good point. So they were, anyway, they did the, the shore excursions that were animal-oriented. We didn't do that because we had had plenty of animals uh, because we had done the safari. And so... The point being that if you are interested in seeing animals and you're going a long way, and you very much should be, (laughs) then do a safari. Don't do it from a cruise because the shore excursions were outrageously expensive, very inefficient because the ports were not necessarily where the animals are. And it was just um, kind of a mess. There were lots of people who spent a long time driving. And when you go to see animals... In the wild, you can't be guaranteed that you're going to see them. And as we found out on our safaris, that you could sit there for a couple of hours and nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, everything breaks out. A herd of buffalo come roaming across in front of you or, you know, there's a stampede or, you know, an animal is about to make a catch. And if you're on a cruise tour, a, a shore excursion, when you leave, you have to leave when it's time. And we could spend extra time on the safari. We could spend as much time as we wanted to. And judging from our safari experiences, they usually schedule the game drives early in the morning or late at night because during the day when the Not sun is... Not late at night, but in the evening. And when the sun is high, the animals are under a bush somewhere snoozing. So your best viewing is during the time when mm-hmm. the shore excursions are returning to the ship because the ship is ready to move on to the next port. So you miss the golden window of opportunity yeah. when you are are doing your game drives in the middle of the day. The other thing I want to say, South Africa is noted for safaris, as it should be, but there could be safaris in a lot of the other African countries, but they have had so much civil war and upset and uh, poaching uh-huh. that the animals are not in good shape to see. So if you do want to do some animal viewing in some places, uh, Kenya and Tanzania mm-hmm. are also excellent. And not nearly as far. And gorillas are a specialty of in Uganda. Uganda. You need to also research no, I have, I have no other places to go come on we're, we're never going to be done <laughs> just face it well, i'm getting my knee fixed our advice to you though is if you're going to south africa do a safari uh, and i didn't mean south africa specifically because we went to botswana and we went to zambia so you know in that area <laughs> uh it's it's all about the same tanzania and kenya are an entirely different part of the, of of the, the continent. continent we didn't realize frankly how big Africa is. It's the biggest continent. 45 countries. And the United States will fit in like the upper third of In the desert. But the point being is is that Africa is really much bigger than North America. If you're going and you want to do animals, don't do the South African cruise. It's just not worth it. However, as Amara as a cruise line who we sailed on, has four ships, and their specialty is doing country-intensive itineraries. So they will do an Italian cruise that only does Italy or Greece or many other places where they spend overnight, and they really give you an intensive look at that particular country and culture. It's an approach we've really come to appreciate because when you're a new traveler, you want to 
check off all those places you want to see. When you go to the Med, you got to go to 14 countries. And you end up going to a different port every day. After a while, they all start swimming together in your mind, and you don't remember what you did or where you were. And you don't really get a feel for a place. And so with this approach, Azamara gives you the luxuries of being on a cruise ship, and you really leave with an understanding of what a country is really about. So you want to look at them for this that type of an itinerary, especially if you're more of a sophisticated traveler and you're looking at uh, country-intensive locations. You know, all over the world, they, they actually sail in every section of the world. Because they're small ships, 650 passengers in round numbers, this is a surprise kind of that we found the shore excursions to be limited. limited. And that if you really want to do interesting shore excursions, you almost have to book them yourself. Whereas the large ships will have variety 20 or 30 different shore excursions and i think a lot of people think about uh, a large ship and say oh i can't handle all the people or the crowds will just be overwhelming but we we were just commenting about this because our shore excursions on this itinerary were had 30 and 40 people in a bus and that was about the only excursions that they offered whereas when we go on a big ship they will have a biking one, a walking one, kayaking, kayaking, hiking, uh, snorkeling, scuba diving, golf, all sorts of shore excursions, which small ships just don't have the number of people to make that viable. And in this case, it worked okay for us, I think, because the, the, those African countries didn't have golf and things like that for us to do. Uh, we were there to get a feel for the culture and the history of the place. But if you want a variety of activities, a small ship may not be such a good choice unless it really specializes in something that you want to do. Yes. We like small ships, but we like big ships, too. I, and there's a definite, uh, a very much different, because the, the entertainment on this ship was weak at best, and the, and the venue, activities... The, there was no yeah, theater, the, per se, so yeah. the, the performers were fine, but they only had a little... It was like performing around yeah. a campfire. So we <laughs> like the small ship ambience, but uh, there are some definite limitations with having only 600 passengers. And making friends... Well, you can make friends on any ship. Uh, you know, you would find a group of people that you would want to hang around with. So I don't see the size of the ship as a limitation. I don't know. We like the big ships. We like the small ships. But, you know, you got to go into it with your eyes open. Uh, is West Africa worth the visit for the average cruiser? Not right away. No, not my I first cruise. Say. And, of course, you're not going to find this itinerary very often no. where we go to, what do and, we go, six ports along West Africa? And it was very challenging for the Azamara shore excursion staff mm, yes. to run this program because each country had different immigration policies and yellow fever vaccination policies and immigration policies, and they tended to change with the wind. And so it was very hard for our uh, leadership to get things organized so we could get in on they time actually and out hired, on time. They actually brought on board an extra shore excursion person to handle, because, to handle all of the details. And details meaning uh, passport control. <laughs> they had to change procedures uh, kind of all on the, the fly. Time. And one of the times we were supposed to come to the theater to have our passports stamped. We had to do that. The, the country that we were in demanded that we do it in person, which is crazy. I mean, most of the time what happens, you turn your passport into the shore excursions, and they take care of all the stamping and the approvals and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you're just... You don't see that. But in this particular case, in two of the countries we visited, the officials had to 
put eyes on you. And it was, but I mean, you know, they did it for 30 seconds. There was really no, no, no difference, purpose. but that was, yeah. It was a job. But the, uh, the shark scarcer was kind of shocked because when they pulled up to the pier, there were 25, oh, in quote unquote officials that had to come on board to have breakfast. <laughs> and only two people were working. <laughs> So, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that must drive them crazy. Provides a little bit of inconvenience for us as passengers, but, whoa. And that, you know, that that took, added an extra 45 minutes, which I thought all the tours were late in getting out and blah, 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 blah. There was just innumerable problems. Plus, the shore excursions were just staggeringly expensive. Oh. You know, an average cruise ship day tour that takes you in a bus with 30, 30 of your friends and you know goes out and does an excursion has a driver and a guide and a bus will cost you eh, maybe a hundred dollars maybe a little more sometimes and it might include a meal but here the shore excursions were well, it was 300 to 400 dollars per per and the shore excursion was the same and you were in a bus that might not have air conditioning or it, a microphone or a microphone and the guides were not necessarily guides. We had a guide who said, "Where do you, to 30, 40 people on the bus, where do you want to go next? <laughs> he just said, we're in your country. You tell us where we should go next. <laughs> and, and then we, one time, on one of the tours, we drove 45 minutes over the dustiest, Rutted roads. You know, two-track road that was on a bus, and we came to the skeleton area where they where there were a bunch of boats that had been brought up on shore. And were being dismantled. And were being dismantled. And you just say, oh, Why am okay. I here? <laughs> but that's why we went to Africa. And that's the kind of stuff that we enjoyed. Well, not we enjoyed, but it was enlightening to see that kind of thing. But that's why I don't think you see many ships going back. And as a matter of fact, Azamara is not doing this itinerary next year. Uh, not exactly. So, so if you want to go to Senegal or you want to go to Gambia or to... Luanda, Angola. Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. If you want to go to those countries, Coast. you're going to have to go to a different cruise line because I think they have honestly said, forget it. Yeah, We're just not it wasn't do it. worth it to them. So they're, going, they're doing different itineraries on the way next year because this is a repositioning cruise. However, with that said, we would highly recommend Namibia. And South Africa. Oh, yeah, of course, and South Africa. But it's a new country for us. Namibia turned out to be really an inter interesting country, both scenically and it seemed to be anxious for tourists, and there were tourists there. And immaculate and clean. We yeah. couldn't believe it. It stuck out like a sore thumb. And another thing we really enjoyed in Africa, especially in the southern part, but other places too, was the markets. Um, oh, yes. There are many places where you go and you go to buy a souvenir and you turn it over and it says made in China on the bottom. And Very in Africa. Common. Artisan products are all handmade. Often you are dealing with the person who made them. They're creative. They're colorful. They vary from place to place. It was really fun shopping for handicrafts. Even though my suitcase had some room in it, I was always, oh, I wish I could buy one more thing because it was beautiful. And we are waiting for a super spectacular thing to arrive. Beaded masks of animal heads. Handmade and, well, we'll see how they look when they get here. We'll see if they come, first of all. But we did bring a number of things back in our suitcases, things that we had never seen before. I mean, they have wood carvings and, and you know, <laughs> how much room do you have? Because you could buy statues that were 14 feet tall. 
and they were all, as she says, uh, handmade. And in, in South Africa, in Cape Town in particular, they have one warehouse that has been divided into smaller stalls, and each one is manned by an artisan. If you've gone to an art fair in our country where the vendors have to be accepted as exhibitors there and they have to show that their wares are up to snuff, this place was as fine as any place I've been to in the United States in terms of quality and and variety. Well, I mean, just a wide variety of products, clothing, artwork, these beaded things, uh, wood carvings. So make a note, Cape Town, go to the watershed. (laughs) Especially if you want fine Quality and it was very nicely displayed and and our friend bought uh, three or four dresses, so that's you know clothing is possible you know with an African flair to it. So it, shoes and you bought I bought some sandals and you bought some jewelry. Yep, some custom made jewelry. There's always room for jewelry. Always <laughs> room for jewelry. And was it, we bought these beaded things and we bought another uh, the the painting. What yeah. was it painting? It was I don't maybe know. we should take pictures of a few things and put them on the website. All right. So if you want to see some of the great souvenirs that we bought, <laughs> take a look at the website. So, my dear, we said that we were going to talk about well, we camping, and we have a transition topic here because while we were on the cruise ship uh, moaning and groaning about the Wi-Fi, we learned that Starlink had been installed Stop. and was about to be our friend and help us to have better connectivity. And that topic has also come up again as our viewers continue to try to join the Starlink Well. We're kind of waiting, I think, for us to get Starlink. I think we're waiting for the second generation of hardware to be introduced. Apparently, Starlink has applied to the FCC for approval for the new generation of uh, antennas that you would use in your RV, and the new one is much smaller and lighter than the old one. So that seems like it would be worth waiting for, and we don't know what the pricing will be or actually when it will be brought to market, but uh, if it's up for a FCC approval, it's got to be pretty soon. So, so I feel kind of not up to speed. Uh, RVers are using Starlink, well, but they talk- are no longer able to use RV licenses for Starlink. Well, uh, Starlink is its own entity, and they change things. And they've always said things are kind of in beta, but they have, without grandfathering anybody, they have decided that portability and RVing is are too confusing. They used to have your home system could be brought with you under portability or you could buy one that did not have a home address and it would be called RV but they were both deprioritized when they went uh, on the road so that meant that it, it was lower qualities uh, and it depends on where you are lower quality or not quality but lower speeds so they have now gotten rid of those two designations you now no longer have portable and they now call it Starlink Rome it's basically the same system, but they have not grandfathered anybody, so everybody has had to transition. So now, if you want to move your your Starlink setup, you have to get Starlink Roam, and of course, they increase the price. It's now $150 a month for Starlink Roam, and everybody on Starlink Roam is what's called deprioritized, which means that the local people have the higher speeds, and because you're just in, in transit, that you're at the back of the line, and you have no way of changing that unless you are stationary. 
primary. They can change that any time, and who knows whether that's going to be going into the future. But my little paragraph here, as of early 2023, SpaceX has over 3,200 satellites in operation. Phase 1 constellation consists of 4,396 satellites, so they have a ways to go to meet that goal, which will be a lot followed by an additional, listen to this, an additional 7,518 Phase 2 satellites, and then a proposal for an additional... for an additional 30,000 in the next generation of satellites after that. So they're just getting started. And as the service changes... I'm having this vision of all these satellites in the sky. We're not going to be able to see the sun. And climate change will be over because we'll be getting cold because the sun can't get down here anymore. I mean, just the first wow. Just the first phase. I never, of course, thought they would ever get to 3,200 or, yeah, 3,200. So who knows? I guess it's, it's feasible. It has been less than a month since SpaceX increased the price of Starlink for RV service and eliminated the ability to, to make residential plans portable. And SpaceX is already shaking things up for mobile users yet again. The latest, the Starlink for RV plan has now been wiped out entirely from SpaceX's website and replaced with the new Starlink Rome offering. And so who knows what's going to happen in the future, but the same equipment is used across the board. And, of course, they now have a mobile system, too. So if we were ready to hit the road and I wasn't detouring us for a while, would you go out and buy this now? Uh, I'm glad that that's not an option because... (laughs) I'm trying. I, I'm, I would try to wait until the new hardware comes out. So the plans, an, the pl- an, as I said, they have applied for FCC approval for the new hardware, but it hasn't been approved yet, so they're not selling it or it's not available. But I would like to have the latest hardware. From what you read, have the RVers who've purchased it already are they happy? Most people are pretty happy, but. A lot of people don't understand some of the limitations. Uh-huh. And the limitation is you got to have a view of the sky. A fairly large swath of northern sky needs to be visible. And to that end, you probably will enhance your your experience with Starlink if you get it up in the air because that'll get a little, get it above the foliage. And so you'll see a lot of people with Starlink on a flagpole. But then the other side of that is that... You see a lot of bent flagpoles because, you when because the wind's taken down their satellite dish. Then you're stuck with a, a $500 piece of equipment that you no longer can use. Oh, dear. So, it's never simple, is it? No. Well, and Starlink's uh, customer service seems to be pretty bad. The service seems to be pretty good for most people. So maybe I should get a Twitter account so that I have better service from Starlink. Um I would say that having the Starlink and another service is probably a good idea because uh-huh. you can't always rely on being uh-huh. a shot. Well, and that's the, why we have hotspots from different. But I gotta places. say that, as she said, we went through the transition on this cruise ship, and one of the things that's interesting is that countries have to authorize Starlink to be received in their country. And that seems very strange to me. They told us that in South Africa, that it had not been approved for use yet, so our ship could not turn on. On their Starlink service. So we went to Europe. Uh, I put that in quotes because we sailed all the way up the west coast of Africa, and then finally we make, we went to the Canary, Canary Islands, Island. and they were able to turn it on there. Uh, and we were expecting, frankly, great things. I mean, you know, 
Starlink has very high-speed service, and the service that we were getting on the ship was, was well, no, the sh- the service that we were getting on the ship was 0.2 megabits a second, which is outrageously slow, with, with a ping time that was just staggering, and the jitter was terrible. I mean, the, the, all the statistics were terrible. If you could do email, you were very lucky, and many people were extremely frustrated, and there were a lot of jokes about it. So, one day... They said, okay, we're going to turn on the Starlink, and they did. I was underwhelmed, to say the least. You not only got email with a subject line, you actually got content (laughs) content. in your email. It was so nice. But when I did the speed checks, and by the way, if you don't use a little program called Speed Check, you're doing yourself a disservice because it's often very helpful To to know exactly what's happening. And so the speeds when we went to Starlink were, well... I could say be double or triple, but double or triple nothing is still pretty much nothing. So our speeds went up to 0.3 megabits a second. Now, at home, I have 1,000 gigabits a second. Do you ever? It almost makes you want to stay home full time. <laughs> and basically, you would need... Uh, 5 megabits is considered to be reasonably fast for today's purposes. Somebody asked, I think I mentioned this last month too, should they bring along their uh, Roku along on this cruise? (laughs) And I emailed them back and I said, yeah, Roku, <laughs> you've got to be kidding. But we should add that we did bring some downloaded movies on our iPads. Well, yeah. And but with that, an HDMI But we cable, didn't download them on the ship. We could connect them to a nice TV in our cabin yes. and entertain ourselves. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So the bottom line is here is, is that, yes, Starlink was faster than the old service, but it wasn't really stunning. That ain't saying much. <laughs> yeah, in point two, and as I said, you need five to get up to anything normal. At a hotel, even, we were getting five and six and sometimes much more. So other ships have said, I don't know, maybe it was their poor infrastructure. Maybe they didn't have it tuned right. We don't know. We don't know, but they just turned it on, and it was definitely Starlink because uh, I could see that it was being routed through the Starlink servers. So we don't know, but I was not impressed. And if I get Starlink for my RV and it's like that, I'm going to be throwing the stuff back in their face. We'll be twittering. So Starlink, should you get it? I don't know. Now we want to talk a little bit about kind of generic cruising. We often kind of surprise people when we tell them how we customize our cabin. And we were in this in this cabin for a month. For more than a month. Yeah. 33 days. So it's worth it to bring some accessories along that make your life in your cabin friendly. People don't realize that these days most of your cabin is made out of metal. It might look like wood, but it's not because wood is flammable and fires are the worst thing you can ever have on a ship. So you have a lot of places where you can use magnets. Right. And we brought along several interesting magnets. (laughs) We bring along hooks from Amazon. And you want to buy different kinds of hooks because there are kinds that are like clothing Stronger. hooks. and then So they're very inexpensive and we bring along eight or ten magnetic hooks that you can put around the room and hang stuff on. You know, bags and hats and just to keep the clutter off the floor. Uh, magnets work almost in every cabin that we've been in recently except on the Viking River, 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 cruise. River Cruises. Cabins can be very dark. Especially if you have an inside cabin with no... Well, even the outside ones, with the, they have you know and room darkening dark. shades. It's and dark. so It's dark. And we bring along a little nightlight for 
bathroom visits. And we don't really use it just on cruising. You had it on our no, safari right. as well because when you are on a tour and you change hotel rooms regularly, it can be very disorienting in the middle of the night and it's pitch black. And, and you need to find the toilet where paper. On earth? <laughs> Not even there. Where's the toilet? <laughs> And this sounds like something so simple, but it isn't really very simple because most bathrooms, uh, especially on cruises, don't have electric plugs. Outlets. Outlets. Not only don't they have, you know, American ones, but they don't have any plug at all. But they almost always have one that is labeled shaver. Low voltage. It's not low voltage, it's low, low amperage. amperage. And so Same thing. If, you pl- if you plug a hair dryer into it, it won't work. If no. you plug a regular light into it, it probably won't work. But I have little LED night lights that are mo- not motion sensitive, but they're light sensitive. So when the light goes on in the bathroom, this light goes off. And these are, they weigh fractions of an ounce. They have one little LED built in, and you just plug it into the shaver outlet, and voila, you now have a night light for the bathroom, which is just exactly the right amount of light. Enough what you, what you would need. And those are good in hotels as well as on the cruise. So that's definitely something you want. And another very important thing is your indoor-outdoor thermometer. <laughs> if you have a, an outdoor place to put it. Yes, if but you have even... An inside but, cabin, you but, can't put it anywhere. Well, I have I've had uh, ones that only had a window that didn't have a, a balcony, and I still put it outside. <gasps> How'd you do that? <laughs> because it'll go through walls. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. you still can put your sensor outside as long as you have outdoor access. However, I did find on this trip that they came by with a power washer and it it and drowned your thermometer. <laughs> yeah, I had to put new batteries in it, and and it was not in its normal place. So uh-huh. you do have a few problems occasionally, but the indoor outdoor thermometer is very small and it only costs like ten dollars, so it's not a, a major investment. Another thing which may seem crazy, but we like, is the projection clock. Now, a projection clock, you can buy a very small one, and it will project on the ceiling, and almost all ceilings are white or something that's light. And you have one in the motorhome, too. I have one. We have one everywhere. everywhere. We and we bring do. one with us for our cabin. And people might say, well, I have my cell phone. I can just look at that. This way, you just look at the ceiling, and there's the time. Mm-hmm. And frequently, the temperature, too. We Ooh. like that, too. That's pretty cool. Now, one of the things I don't want to have to do is I don't want to have to bring another power supply. So one of the special things about our projection clocks is that they are... USB, which means that it will be powered from any USB charger that you have. So if you have a multi-charger or something, you just need a wire that will plug into it. So you don't have to bring a a separate power supply. They have a a couple of batteries built in so that it remembers the time. And when you plug it into USB, the projection comes on and stays on. So it's there every night, and I don't have to do any sort of maintenance on it. Don't have to set the time. It just comes on. Do you like that? Yeah. We also have the 3-in-1 charger stand now three in one for charging different devices such as earbuds cell phone and watch so this is one device that folds up it's a three-piece device and it has a spot for the apple watch it has a spot for the iphone and a spot for your AirPods. and if you don't have all three of those things it folds up like an accordion so you can not, not like an accordion it folds up so you can just expose the surfaces that you want to use for charging and the nice thing is is that one wire charges three things 
so that it actually is very efficient in terms of uh, the number of wires that you need. Otherwise, you have to have three wires or you have to have three devices or it takes up would take up a lot of space. So I like that very much. Uh, we bring that and put that. Of course, we have a lot of wires anyway in the cabin. Do we ever? My universal remote and HDI, HDMI cable, which has worked out very well. Very well. We were able to watch movies from our computers, from the iPad. That we had streamed. Or that we had saved, downloaded. Saved no, from no home. streaming. Saved from home. But we had a number of uh, n- series we watched. We watched T- Blinky. TV shows, Blinky movies, Binders. Blank, whatever. Blinky Blinkers. Whatever. <laughs> and those were on our devices and we plugged it into the HDMI. Now, why do you have to have a universal remote? Because they don't want you to change the inputs on the TV exactly. with the remotes that they give you. So you have to be and we've gone sneaky. Through this, we've gone through this before, but in this particular case, we were able to use it in our hotels, and we were able to use it on the ship. But I had to have that universal remote, which costs about $6 on Amazon, because there was no way to change the inputs on the TV. So even though I could plug into the HDMI, I couldn't get to it electronically because their remotes wouldn't allow that. Something else I always bring, both for hotel trips and cruises, is a magnifying mirror. Sometimes they come with magnets. More likely, they come with suction cups where you can just stick them wherever you need them. I wear contact lenses, and so it's important for me to see my eyeball at that critical moment when I'm putting my lenses in and out. And often the mirrors that they have do not magnify, or they are not where the lights are so even though you can it's just is better to have your own and to move it wherever you need it so i have a, a, my magnetic flashlight which also connects to the wall and you put it you had jewelry that you put on the wall i have a glasses case that's magnetic so i put my glasses up there but i have a a, a flashlight uh, that has a reading light on it so that if you need extra light on a spot that it has kind of a wide beam and uh, it fits right on the wall. Those uh, metal walls are really very handy. And elastic laundry line. We wash <laughs> we wash our underwear every day. So you need some place. The cruise lines often give you a line in the shower to use. But if you bring your own, then you have it for sure. And you can move it other places in the room um, to get your clothes dry. And we should say that our T-Mobile phones, which we just got, and this is the first time we've used them overseas, worked quite well. However, we went through the five gigabytes of data very quickly, but we were able to buy more data from T-Mobile. And then and, we went through that too. But uh, I also use the Aerolo, which I mentioned before, which is a data eSIM that you can put onto most phones. And there was a tech expert who was doing lectures on the ship, and I got him involved in the eSIMs. And so we had a lot of people getting into Aerolo, and I found Aerolo to be quite useful, but it was not e- useful in West Africa. But every time we went to a new country, T-Mobile said, sent us a text and said, welcome to Namibia. You can use your T-Mobile account here. And then we went to someplace and it said, you cannot use your your T-Mobile account here, so be careful. So they actually were pretty good about keeping us informed about when we could use uh, the T-Mobile account and when so we could So I think it was a good choice for now. Used to be that streaming seemed like a cheaper way to go and cut the cord and save money. Well, not only that, but you could buy a la carte. But not anymore. YouTube TV now charges $73 per month for a big bundle of local channels, cable news, and live sports and entertainment. 
The next cheapest option is Hulu plus live TV at $70 per month. Other services are even pricier, such as Fubo, which is $86 a month, and DirecTV Stream, which is $75 per month and up. Cable and, ta- and satellite TV. But the price advantage for streaming TV bundles has shrunk. The price for these bundles is outrageous. And I don't think it's it's viable to stream anymore. I I'm going to go back to cable. Negotiate with them and yell at them like you're used to with the cable people. I don't think so. Uh-huh. I haven't heard about anybody bitty being able to do that. I'm disappointed, but not surprised because there is so much new stuff to watch these days, and somebody's got to pay for it to make it to pay the actors. Etc. So now is a fine time to remember the alternative. Instead of paying for a big TV bundle, even a streaming one, you can abandon them and choose your streaming services a la carte. You might have to give up some specific cable channels and cut down on the on the live sports coverage, but you also save a lot more money, which is why a growing proportion of cord cutters have been going this route. And I have a nice link on the website that will take you to uh, an article about this in case you want to do just a la carte stuff. And save some money. So should we talk about e-bikes? Okay. I hope that I will be able to ride a bike again someday. Um, We have a couple of articles here about e-bikes, and there's a new book out called RVing with Bikes, which is nice because it is a compilation of campgrounds, a listing of campgrounds that have bike Trails nearby or are located on a bike path. A guide to full hookup campgrounds with easy access to bike trails. List campgrounds across the U.S. that offer full hookups and have easy access to bike trails. Easy access means the trail runs through the campground or is next to it. Easy access also includes trails that are a short distance away and can be reached by bike without riding on busy roadways. And this is a is a book that could be quite useful. If you have a bike, whether it's an e-bike or not, but our e-bikes are very valuable to us because they fold up and put into the we put them into the back of the tow vehicle so that they don't get stolen or weathered, and you don't need a rack. And I have an article here called "Best E-Bikes for RVers: Electric Bikes 101," which you might want to take a look at. There are a lot of things to think about. Right. Uh, what size battery you want, kind of bike. <laughs> I particularly like ours because they're front-wheel drive. Well, and the other thing I liked about ours is if you've never owned an e-bike before and you're buying it on the web and you don't have a chance to try it out and use yeah. it, they're expensive th- things to have, and you want to make sure you like them. So I was very grateful that we found a place that had dealers that we could ride around the parking lot and get a feel for. So the brand that we are. bought was Pedigo, and they have stores that you can go in and ride the bike. And they have stores throughout the country, so I would take a look at them. At least go ride their bikes so you have an idea of what uh, a, an electric bike, how it rides. And I would think these days, like in a campground, you're probably going to see somebody who has one who would let you take a spin around the campground and try it out. That would be helpful, too. And I would want one that has a throttle, and this is called a level 2 Rather bike. Rather than just pedal assist. Ours has pedal assist and throttle, because there are times when you want to just say go, and you don't want to have to pedal. And we found that the pedal assist can be dangerous at times, because if you're going around a curve and you stop pedaling, or if you start pedaling, the bike might do something that Give you were not expecting. Give you a spurt of energy. Yeah. So... 
our recommendation is, is that you ride the bikes, that you stop at the Pedigo store, and that you buy folding bikes because they can be easily stored away. So, <laughs> that's it for the RV. Oh, dear. Are we still awake, though? That's good. Uh, well, I feel really energized. <laughs> I could go on for hours and yes, hours, but could. I'm sure our listeners are yawning right now. Yes, so, we could. we'll give them a joke. How about that? Oh, my God. Those are horrible. <laughs> they are? Put them on the website. They're punny. What do you call a super articulate dinosaur? I don't know. A thesaurus. <laughs> Where'd you get these? Sleeping comes so naturally to me. I could do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> I saw an ad for burial plots, and I thought, that's the last thing I need. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, dear listener, be listening next month for the moaning and groaning as my wife is... Or perhaps a cheery report that the worst is over. That she can bend her knee more than and 90 degrees. And ride an e-bike once again. Oh, yes, that's of course, that's very critical. But for the time being, I guess we will say adieu... We'll say goodbye for now. Happy travels. Happy travels. And we hope to see you in a camp. Not anytime soon. Unless you go to the Indiana Dunes next month where we're going to have a quick making sure everything works okay camping trip. Yeah, we haven't checked out the RV yet. So we hope that after two months of winter that it's in good shape. Okay, so that ends it for this month. We hope to see you uh, again. and uh, We thank you for listening to us and putting up with our massive detours away from the (laughs) RV topic. It's all fun, and we hope that you enjoy listening as much as we've enjoyed having these experiences and sharing them with you. Okay, talk to you later. Bye now. 